Welcome to Distrust and Disparities, Dismantling Black Health Disparities podcast. We examine health disparities that disproportionately affect Black women and Black families. In addition, we amplify organizations and individuals working to dismantle racist health practices and systems to improve health outcomes for marginalized communities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Camille White. They decided that she told the truth and, and I wasn't even considered. It was like, um, even the, they had a picture of my hand and it was like, like the prosecutor said, well, you could have did that to yourself. In this episode, we cover the story of Sybil Garbo, a Black nurse with over 40 years of experience who was convicted of assault because of a racist co-worker and a criminal justice system that hardly ever views Black women as victims. And we highlight two Black nursing leaders amplifying Sybil's story and advocating for justice. Welcome back to another episode of Distrust and Disparities. Thank you for tuning in and for all the love and support that everyone has been showing us. We really, really, really appreciate it. And once again, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. If you haven't already, please check out our previous episode where we interview Jasmine Samuel and we discuss the importance of early detection of breast cancer in Black women. So please, I encourage everyone to do a self-breast exam, schedule a mammogram if you are at that age, and also discuss your family history as it relates to breast cancer. So Please take this very seriously, ladies. We just want to bring awareness to breast cancer, especially amongst Black women. And additionally, October is also National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It is a time to acknowledge domestic violence survivors and to also be a voice for its victims. Check out our earlier episode where we discuss Marissa Alexander's case and the intricacies of dealing with domestic violence and how the criminal justice system a lot of times does not support survivors or victims. It's very hard and very complicated to get out of a domestic violence situation. And domestic violence is prevalent in every community and affects all people, regardless of age, social economic status, sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, or nationality. Physical violence is often accompanied by emotionally abusive and controlling behavior as part of a much larger systemic pattern of dominance and control. Domestic violence can result in physical injury, psychological trauma, or even death. The devastating consequences of domestic violence can cross generations and last a lifetime. Although there has been substantial progress in reducing domestic violence, an average of 20 people are physically abused by intimate partners every minute. So this equates to more than 10 million abuse victims annually, one in three women, and also one in four men have been physically abused by an intimate partner. Millions of Americans live 
daily and silent fear within their own homes. In addition, every year, millions of children are exposed to domestic violence. Domestic violence incidents affect every person within a home and can have long-lasting negative effects on children's emotional well-being and social and academic functioning. So just wanted to highlight that October is National Domestic Violence Month and just making sure we are an advocate and a support for all victims and survivors out there. Have you checked out our website? There you can find all of our episodes and show notes. You can even listen directly on the site and catch up on any previous episode you may have missed. You can read our bios and see what we're up to. Also, we made it even easier to contact us. Just fill out the form on our homepage and click submit. We invite you to recommend guests and topics we should feature. So what are you waiting for? Go check us out at Distrust and Disparities. All right, so let's jump into this week's main story. I remember hearing about this story on TikTok back in August, and I immediately went down the rabbit hole of trying to find more information about the case because the story just seems so one-sided. And having a platform such as a podcast, I'm always concerned about reporting the correct information and verifying sources. And I was surprised that I couldn't find that many articles and information from local news outlets. So I was like, more information will eventually come out because this story is so outlandish. But after watching a recent interview with the individual that we're going to be discussing, I was like, more people need to hear about this case. And I want to help get justice for Miss Sybil Garbo. Miss Sybil Garbo is a 72-year-old Black nurse who resides in Minnesota. She has over 40 years of experience as a licensed practical nurse, um, LPN for short, She has no issues or citations on her nursing record, no criminal record. However, she is currently serving six months in prison for defending herself against a co-worker. So let's discuss the events leading up to this conviction. According to court documents obtained by Insider.com, the incident occurred at Touchstone Mental Health Facility in Freely, Minnesota, and the altercation occurred in May 2021. And the incident took place between Sybil Garbo and her former co-worker, Devlin Stipp. Miss Sybil reported that she was disaffecting a desk in the office with a can of aerosol spray. So she was spraying down her desk in preparation for her shift. And Devlin thought Sybil was intentionally spraying her with the solution. So Devlin pushed Sybil in the chest. And after being pushed back, Sybil reached with her left hand for the desktop phone to call for help. Um, Sybil and Devlin, they were the only two in the office. And Sybil reported that As she reached for the phone, Devlin snatched the phone out of her hand and then proceeded to use the phone to hit her in her hand. 
At mm. that point, Sybil defended herself against the physical attacks. She struck Devlin on the head with the aerosol can and then fled the room. She told her colleagues to call emergency services for Devlin, who had a laceration on her head. Then she left the facility for a friend's house, who later drove her to the police station. Sybil told Insider when describing the incident, I left because I was scared because Dante Wright had just got killed. George Floyd had just got killed. And I just had a confrontation, an altercation with a white woman. I thought, I'm not letting the police take me nowhere. I'm going to turn myself in. And as you know, or if you don't, I would suggest you look up George Floyd and also Dante Wright. Those two killings took place in her home state of Minnesota. And there was a lot of civil unrest and just there were big cases in the whole movement for racial justice and police brutality. So like I said, civil, she ended up turning herself into the police station. Prosecutors charged civil with first, second, and third degree assault with a dangerous weapon. (laughs) You got one, two, and three for a can of what? Probably, you know, Lysol, whatever. And you're telling me that's that's not only first degree, but second degree, third degree assault when like from the description of what occurred, she got hit once, got shoved and was like, oh no, let me, let me call for help. Then the phone was used as a weapon against her. And so it was like, okay, I tried that. Now The disinfectant was the only thing in her hand. She swung in her defense and then immediately removed herself from the situation. And you're claiming that that's first degree assault with a a dangerous weapon? Y'all acted like she held this woman down and sprayed disinfectant down her throat. (laughs) That, That would be the only thing that I could think of that would be considered, you know, an assault with a dangerous weapon because, you know, you're not supposed to be, you know, inhaling or doing whatever with disinfectant. But uh, one, two, and three. This is ridiculous. Right. It's insane. So outlandish. Like, I'm surprised it went to court. Like, it couldn't just be handled internally in the HR system. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll get into more details about things leading up to this, like I said, being charged with first, second, and third degree assault with a dangerous weapon. And her trial took place in Anoka County. So in this particular county, the population is close to 370,000 people. 80% of the population is white with fewer than 10% of the residents being black. Sybil's jury was all white, and she reported that besides a few character witnesses, she was the only Black person in the courtroom. And during the trial, prosecutors cast doubt over her self-defense claim. They cast a doubt over whether the injury Sybil sustained to her hand 
whether it was actually caused by, you know, Devlin hitting her and also whether Devlin pushed Sybil in the first place. As we said, Sybil and Devlin, they were the only two people in the office and there were no cameras to, you know, have a actual video recording of what went down. And Sybil stated to Insider that he said, she's talking about the prosecutor, well, you still shouldn't have hit her back. You should have found a way out of there. And Sybil said, it was no way. She was right in front of me. And when she hit me with that, I just reacted, hitting her because it hurt. But the fact too that like, he said, you shouldn't have hit her back right. is like are you then acknowledging that like okay even if this person hit you this grown ass person hit you you shouldn't have hit her back when time and time again that's the laws that in so many states y'all are setting up of like stand your ground and self-defense of like if someone does harm to you you are then allowed to defend yourself And it's the, oh, so what? Because she ended up with the injury that was more severe all of a sudden now. It's like, you should have found an alternative way. You should have found, when, if if we're all going to even try to claim that what Devlin is saying is true of, oh, she was spraying me with Lysol. Why does she, why does she get to hit them? If you're going to say that, okay, you think that what she did first was, you know, something wrong then why isn't it on Devlin to, you shouldn't have hit her. You should have said something. You should have gone and gotten help. Why did you immediately hit her? Mm -hmm. It's the fact that white women time and time again get to be victims when a lot of times they are the perpetrators of criminal actions that then end up resulting in harm, be it physical harm, monetary harm, some sort of harm to black people, to marginalized people. But it's just crazy that it's like you get attacked and then you're told you're not a victim. You should have figured out another way to, you know, not cause any harm to this white woman. Because since you've now caused harm to her, you're going to pay. And this case just has a lot of racial undertone. It just kind of seems like retaliation against Miss Garbo, in my opinion. You know, it's like, you know. We're going to get somebody, We, you know, just out to get somebody. Because like I said, this is a 72 year old woman. Like, why is this, you know, even going to trial? Yeah. And she has over 40 years of experience as a nurse, never had any sort of issues ever in her career, in her personal life of any sort of criminal record. And I also would imagine someone who is living in a location like Anoka County with so few black people. She knows the situation. She knows where she lives. She would never start something with a white woman because she would also know the ultimate conclusion of, of what happened to her. She she knows, given her age, given where she's lived and worked for decades, she would know to just be like, uh-uh, mind your business because if something happens, they will never believe you. And that, And that's what ultimately did happen, unfortunately. And I would just want to highlight this quote from Sybil. She says, if I'm the only person of color in an environment, I'm used to it because I've been here since 1973. 
But it became obvious to me that I didn't have a strong position in this whole situation. It was very scary. And on July 30th, 2023, Sybil Garble was found guilty of second degree assault. She was sentenced to six months in prison at the Anoke County Workhouse facility. The judge, Kevin J. Mueller, also ordered her to pay more than $51,000 in restitution to the state of Minnesota. And additionally, she also received five years of probation. And the assault conviction, it disqualifies Sybil from ever practicing as a nurse again in Minnesota. (laughs) Insane. You're telling me a laceration of a can of disinfectant resulted in second degree assault, six months in prison, and five years of probation. Oh, oh, and also $51,000 in restitution. You have got to be kidding me. You have absolutely got to be kidding me. Because this lady got hit in the face with a can of disinfectant that she deserved to be hit with because Sybil was defending herself after this woman started something with her because she's crazy and racist. It's just sad. A 72-year-old woman, and after the conviction, she started working with this organization called We Resolve, and it's a local advocacy group and nonprofit in Minnesota that works with individuals and family facing criminal charges. And the director basically pointed out sending a 72 year old woman to prison, it's not going to serve anybody. It's not going to help her. It's not going to help society. It's just, why did it go? Why did it get to this? And he's quoted as saying, with Sybil being black and the victim being white, it seemed that They were really going to make sure that they taught Sybil a lesson about coming into a conflict with a white person or hurting a white person. They wouldn't even entertain that somehow Sybil was attacked first and that she was defending herself. They wouldn't even entertain that thought. It's just this whole case, just with these few details, it's just like... It's frustrating. Like, why? In so many situations, this, I'm sure, would be thrown out. But it would be thrown out given who would be the so-called victim and then who would be the so-called perpetrator. Because I can imagine if you were to poll many prosecutors across this country, if this same scenario was set up, but it was, you know, a white 72-year-old woman who's been a nurse for over 40 years and her black coworker claiming she she hurt me, she hit me, all of a sudden it would be like, are you sure? 72? Oh no, she she's never done anything like that in her life. Are, are you positive about that? There would be so many questions for the black woman and not the person that she was claiming did it because of her being white. And it's, if anyone was to say otherwise, it's like, you're not living in reality and you're not understanding that like stuff like this happens all the time. And when black people try to press charges or get people to see their side of it, it is immediately 
a black person is demonized and never seen as a victim. And the white person is seen as some angel that like, they would never do that. They are always given the benefit of the doubt always and forever. And we're just struggling to just be like, can you just acknowledge that this happened to me? Can you acknowledge that I am the victim, that I was not the one who started this? And when the insider reached out for comments from the judge, he did not comment, but their director of public affairs, they told insider that he departed from the sentencing guidelines. So she has 180 days instead of two years. So it's trying to make it seem like, oh, he went light. Oh, he could have given her two years. However, Sybil's lawyer had previously filed a motion asking for probation, community service, and even home monitoring in lieu of jail time. So (laughs) this whole system is like... It's so messed up, but like... um, I need to understand, like... I guess I need to go look up Minnesota law. What are y'all considering second-degree assault? Because getting... (laughs) You got hit in the face with, and like, also, I think to the word laceration, you make like, it sounds like, did she even have to have stitches or was it slap a bandaid or not even slap it, just put some little ointment and call it a day. Like I'm, it wasn't like she was gushing from her head and like, just, she passed out. She was like, it's just crazy that this is even considered a second degree assault. And that what the standard is two years. And he's like, well, she's lucky because I gave her 180 basically of what like their their public statement about it is. And it's just like 180 days for nonsense, for something that should have never even gone to trial, for something that honestly, if the whoever was in charge of this facility was paying attention and taking things the way that they should have gone, Devlin should have been the one to get the boot. And then they should have been like, we are so sorry this happened to you, Sybil. Yeah. So if you're like us, you're probably outraged and you're probably asking yourself, why am I just hearing about this case? There was minimal coverage of the case specifically in Minnesota. And that was very intentional. Sybil and her husband and family, they reached out to news outlets in Minnesota, but they would not cover the case. And like I said, from my research, there was no articles from local news and media outlets. Even people from Minnesota were not familiar with the case. And Business Insider, which is located in New York, was the first media outlet to cover the story because her husband had reached out to them as well. And after that story was published and released, eventually, that's how I found out about it on TikTok. But at this point... Um, Miss Sybil, she had already been convicted. The case had already gone to court by the time this story was released. And those that um, were sharing her story and demanding justice were mostly Black individuals and smaller news outlets and, you know, just Black um, social media individuals on TikTok and also other um, nursing focused organizations, specifically Black nursing organizations. And we were able to get additional details about the case thanks to two incredible Black women who are also nurses, Ernice Williams and Tequila Manning. And we'll talk about them more at the end of the segment. So 
On September 21st, Arnise Williams conducted a 30-minute interview with Sybil Garbo and her husband on IG Live. This was the first in-person interview I was able to see Miss Sybil and just being able to visualize the victim in this situation. And I encourage everyone to watch the video and just see for yourself. But we're going to summarize the interview and also give our opinions. So in the interview, Sybil introduces herself and she states that she's been a nurse since 1976. So imagine being a nurse that long and also in this majority white county. And she states that the case was very one-sided from the beginning and that they just did not believe her, especially since there were no cameras. In addition, she also gives some background information about the tension leading up to this altercation. She reported that Devlin was promoted to a leadership position at the facility and Devlin was an LPN like Miss Sybil. But she found out that Sybil was making close to the same amount as her in the leadership role. And this was due to Sybil's experience. And once she found out that she was, you know, making basically, I think it was like two dollars, two, three dollars less than she was. She kind of went on this manhunt to get Sybil fired. And. Sybil reported that she did report Devlin's behaviors and some of the microaggressions and things such as like altering records and, you know, serious accusations. She took those to her managers and also her higher ups. But all they did was talk to Devlin. They didn't formally write up any of these incidents. So there was no formal record. And Sybil said that her supervisors really did not want to rock the boat. So basically, nothing was done. Because <laughs> y'all didn't really believe her. The, mm-hmm. I hate the whole thing of like rock the boat when it's like you are in a position of power. You're also above this little devilin lady. The devil. Um, <laughs> and- <laughs> right. It's just, it was right there. Um, And it's just so frustrating, too, that, like, nothing was ever formally written down, which, like, from my background, just administrative HR stuff, it's like, you need to be writing stuff down. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like, this is a big learning lesson for everyone. Like, when you are reporting someone at work, you are reporting someone is doing something, write it down. Get receipts. Send those emails. Copy, blind copy, everybody everybody possible so you know and you have a record of it to be like I sent this on this day and you can see everybody who it was sent to I sent this on this day and you can see everybody was sent to and then even maybe do follow-up emails of like so I noticed no one responded if you're not getting responses so again you have it in writing that it was communicated because the fact that none of this was formally anyway recorded written down now it's like Sybil versus Devlin of like she said she said and of course, in this country, in this world generally, who was who believed? The white woman or the black woman? It's always the white woman. Majority of the time, the white woman is the one believed. And there was nothing to them back up what Sybil was saying was occurring at work. Serious things occurring. And they, they don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. This just creates like a hostile and just toxic environment. It's just so frustrating, just like the number of people that have to deal with this. And 
it's even more frustrating when this is uh, at a healthcare facility. Like we become healthcare providers to do no harm, but we're creating such a hostile environment that, you know, it's affecting our coworkers, you know, and that affects your care, you know, mm-hmm. and just your livelihood. It's just, I just don't get why other healthcare providers do this. And, you know, it's sad that those in the leadership role don't do anything about it. So basically when nothing is being done, like no corrective actions are put in place against Devlin, you know, she just thinks like, oh, I can just keep doing it. Nothing is, nothing is going to change. And it got to the point where Sybil, she was considering leaving the job just because the tension and just the frustration that was going on between the two. And it was just such a hostile environment. And Sybil, she stated that once Devlin learned that she was going to leave, she thought she won. And that's when she kind of left her alone because she thought that Sybil was going to be leaving. However, Sybil's supervisor convinced her to stay. And that's when all the microaggressions, the tension is started back up and it led to the altercation that took place in 2021. And it shouldn't have never got to that point. The supervisor should have took corrective actions and mm-hmm. it shouldn't have altercated to somebody being, you know, going to court and being in prison. If a supervisor is working so hard to be like, don't leave, stay, then clearly... Sybil is a great employee that you don't want to lose. You see the value that she brings to the role, the position, how she is in the facility. So therefore it's just like, where are you then to advocate on her behalf and defend her and make sure that like, okay, she's going to leave because of what she's telling us. We need to handle this woman and we need to handle her now and, and stop this from happening. Other details about the case that I got from this interview, the prosecutors were really pushing Sybil to plead guilty to third degree assault. And if she pled guilty, they stated they would not file a civil suit. But Sybil kept reiterating that she was pushed first and that she was defending herself. And she pointed out she was not trying to intentionally strike Devlin in the face, but she was just trying to get away. Like she was literally blocking her way and was just trying to get out the situation. And um, like how the prosecutor said in the case, like, oh, you should have found another way to get out. Like, (laughs) it's just ridiculous. And during the interview, like based off my opinion of reading the article and the interview, I don't think her lawyer was the best or he just could have tried harder because our niece when she was doing the interview she asked like did you consider like pressing charges against Devlin because you know she pushed you and she Mm -hmm. said she her lawyer was like no you don't have you don't have to do that you shouldn't do that I was like why would a lawyer not advise you to do a countersuit and also you know Mm -hmm. press charges against her as well And then also during the court case, um, he was unable to play her social biography. I guess there was something wrong with whatever they were using to play it. But I'm like, 
this social biography includes character letters, and this helps to give the judge an idea of who Sybil was leading up to this place. So I'm just like, you didn't have like a hard copy or something else. Like, I just don't get why, you know, her character and things like that, how that wasn't played, like, or this information wasn't given to the judge. So that was like, you know, strike one. And then Sybil said in the interview after the conviction, she asked about the appeal process and her lawyer, basically, he was like, it's going to be too expensive. That's all he said. Like basically discouraging her from doing it because of the costs and things like that. Like, (laughs) I was just like, what? (laughs) Yeah, like this is her livelihood like it it, this isn't some sort of simple slap on the wrist and she can go back to doing what she was doing like her whole life is turned upside down she can no longer be a nurse she can no longer do what she's done for over 40 years she is now having to pay so she lost her job she's having to pay back all this money she has to report to prison for six months and you're like, oh, it'll be too expensive. And it's just like, you don't care and you don't want to advocate on her behalf when it's just like, you could tell her, hey, it'll probably be an expensive process, but like, let's pull this information together. Maybe you can fundraise. Maybe we can figure out a way to help mm-hmm. pay for this. But instead you immediately go like, oh no, it's going to be too expensive. Just accept your fate, accept what happened to you and figure out how to pay all that money back without a job without a job in your profession that you have done like over half of your life. It's just crazy. It's like, you're basically just imagine somebody sending like your grandmother to jail for like a simple altercation that she got into and you you just don't care. And he didn't comment to any of the media, didn't like um, try to get more press, you know, more eyes looking at this case before it happened. I just think that's crazy. Like nobody knew about this case because, you know, having had people known about this case before it went to trial, it could have been quickly dismissed, but you, you really didn't care. Mm-hmm. In certain instances, like the whole court of public opinion, sometimes when you have people getting involved that are outsiders, it can be problematic. But in this situation, again, if you cared, if you were a lawyer that really wanted to help your client, you would have been like, I'm going to contact any and everybody possible. I'm going to let everybody's eyes be on this. Everybody know about it. Because then that also might be helpful where people might have come forward and let you know who Devlin really was and could have given you character sort of assessment statements about who she is and go, oh, wait a minute. Y'all are listening to this woman and she's done this over here. She's done that. She's treated people this certain sort of way. You... In this sort of situation, you let everybody hear about it, as many people as possible, because Mm -hmm. then all those eyes on it, you have more people than speaking up, people who then maybe have some sort of power, sway, and that is when the public can really get involved and then help make sure that justice is done. Because if maybe, like you said, they got involved before it went to trial and she was convicted, it might have been like, yeah, we're not going to go through with this. This is all nonsense. Like, Civil, go back to doing what you were doing. Like, we're dropping the charges. We're, we're not going to entertain this. 
that that would be a simple thing too for a lawyer just like to reach out to like especially now in this day and age people understand the power of social media and the power mm-hmm. of the news and if you don't understand that especially in a profession like yours it's just like you need to find a new profession because you are doing such a disservice to your clients as it stands, Miss Sybil, she's currently serving her sentence in Adeno County Workhouse. She reported to the facility on August 11th. And at this workhouse facility, she works Monday through Friday, but she reports back to the correctional facility on the evenings and weekends. And Ernice um, points out in the interview that she has to pay to be at this workhouse facility even though she's also working, I don't know how much money she's making or even if that money goes to her. When she is released, she'll have to pay the restitution to the state. And like I said, that's 51000 but she doesn't have a nursing license. And additionally, she'll also have to pay to be on probation for five years. And as you can see, just the system is just stacked up against this 72-year-old woman. And, you know, she's hoping, she said in the interview, that her sentence can be reduced to three months for good behavior. But she shouldn't be in, in prison. No way. Like, it, it shouldn't have gone down to it. And her closing words, they were so sad. She just says, when asked, you know, what can people do to help her? She basically says that she hopes that somebody will hire her at the age of 72 and that she'll be able to get another nursing job so that she can basically contribute to her household and, you know, just to help to pay with the bills and all the court fees. You know, if someone will still hire me at 72, I would like to, you know, have it where I can get another nursing job, you know, Mm -hmm. because basically, um, you know, I feel like I should be contributing to my household. And her husband, he pointed out that they, you know, would like to get an appeal lawyer. But you can tell from the interview that they really need assistance navigating the criminal justice process. And this process is confusing. There is multiple steps that you need to jump through. And it's also expensive hiring like an appeals lawyer. It's just very sad and just very disheartening. I can't believe it came down to, you know, sending a 72-year-old nurse to prison for this. We also want to point out ways that you can support Sybil Garbo. You can donate to Sybil Garbo's donor box, which her husband set up to help pay the restitution and also for our fees. And we'll have the link in our show notes. And additionally, just share this story so that we can amplify Sybil's story. So those are just some of the things that you can do to help support Sybil. And, you know, we just wanted to share it on our platform because we don't want we want to get uh, Miss Sybil out of prison and just get justice so that she can live out her life. Like, so she's not on probation the next five years, having to pay to be on probation, figuring out where she's going to get the money to pay for all those. So we just want to amplify this story and just get it out there. So please share this with anybody that you know. If you are enjoying this episode, 
you should consider buying us a coffee. Yes, a coffee. That small gesture will help us continue to create quality episodes and content. Click the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes or check out our website at distrustanddisparities.com. For the last part of our show, we wanted to shout out Arnice Williams and Tequila Manning for their incredible work in advocating for Ms. Sybil Garbo and demanding justice in her case. And we just want to give you a little information about these two wonderful ladies. Arnice Williams is known on social media as Your Nurse Lawyer. Arnice is a healthcare and regulatory compliance lawyer with a nursing background, which gives her a deeper understanding of healthcare practices and patient care. This unique legal and nursing knowledge combination allows her to provide comprehensive legal services to healthcare providers, facilities, and organizations. And then we have Ms. Tequila Manning. She is the founder of the organization, the Black Nurses Week. She is a renowned travel nurse leader who has been instilling positivity into the healthcare industry through reform and clinical advancements for the past 18 years. Black Nurses Week was created to elevate and unify the Black nursing community we know that Black nurses have a powerful impact in reducing healthcare disparities and effectively advocating for patients of color and the healthcare organizations that we choose to serve. And we just wanted to shout out you two wonderful ladies for what you are doing. Follow their social media pages. They're sharing valuable information like in regards to Sybil's case, just getting updates and setting up the interview, and just also assisting Simple with navigating the criminal justice system. So just want to support the wonderful work that they are doing. So follow them on social media and we'll have the links to their profiles in our show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss or share your own personal story, email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and on Twitter at Distrust Pod.